Did you mention the spring guide? Yeah, great. Um, it's going to be a great, great term. It's lovely to see Elsa here. How are you? Welcome back from South Africa. And it's so lovely to see you. And uh, great, actually, your family friend, Tom, from Frontenton Cottle. Is it Tom? Anyway, we'll talk later. Uh, but that's a non sequitur, just a reminder to me to talk to <laughs> Peter and Elsa. Um, you know, we're going to start Pro Week quite soon. The Pro Week guide, lots of the events that are happening in Pro Week is on this sheet. So if you if you do take one away and, and you'll read it carefully, think, oh, how can I engage with Pro Week? Well, there's some great stuff there. So I'm going to read just a very simple verse from about prayer from James chapter 5, verse 13. Um, before I do that, I want to say that in all of our sermons over this month, we're, we're, we're linking with, with the Psalms as well. And um, I had Psalm 102 on my list today. And, and the reason why is because the Psalms we, we think is a worship book of the church, but really they're also very much the prayer book of the church, aren't they? And, um, and prayer and worship really belong together, as we'll explore later on. But um, I don't know how you define prayer. It's got lots of dynamics. But I, I love what Hannah says in, in 1 Samuel, where she, when, when um, Elijah, Elijah, uh, Elijah um, Eli the priest thinks she's drunk because she's there moving her lips and no sounds coming out. And and she says, look, your servant is pouring out her soul to the Lord. And there's something about prayer and worship that are both pouring out our soul to the Lord, I think. You know? and, and today we think about prayer and trouble. And, and actually, trouble can be a place where we pour out our soul to the Lord. I'm just going to take you to a very simple verse in James chapter 5, verse 13. It says this, is anyone in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone in trouble? Let them pray. And um, I don't know about, about you. I, I don't know how many of you really look forward to prayer meetings. Oh, uh, th thank you, Mike Kawa. <laughs> You're the one. <laughs> and uh, honestly, um, we, we find that prayer meetings are rather undersubscribed compared with the capacity of the church. And particularly, we... we, we last uh, for the number of years we've had a, a kind of the last Monday of the month we've had a prayer watch down here in the crypt and and we, we felt it's been kind of like the faithful remnant of being here to pray you know and uh, and it's been great to pray actually we, we actually have had some really good times but it, it's felt rather unsubscribed and, and my sense is that's that's true around the country actually that, that prayer meetings are not the most popular and in fact many young people have not been exposed to prayer meetings as such in the in the good old traditional ways that we used to have them and um and maybe even at Woodlands, we've declined a little bit in our prayer appetite. You know, do, who remembers the half nights of prayer and whole nights of prayer? So what, what, why are we not praying as much as, or as fervently or as, as numerically as we could? And um, one of the lessons that we could learn, I think, from the global church is that the global church, compared with the UK church, is a praying church. And uh, the, the exception to our poorly attended prayer meetings are when there's real trouble. I remember when we were praying for Grant Addison, you know, and, and he had terminal cancer, and being down here and the, the place being full. Because people pray when they're in trouble. It's almost a reflex, actually, isn't it? When I'm in trouble, help! And, 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 and a prayer of help is a very fervent prayer and a very honest prayer, but a prayer that people pray whether they are churchgoers or not, actually very often, when you're in trouble, you, you, you tend to reach out. And, and when we've got no one else to reach out for, we reach out to God. So what, what does trouble look like? 
You know, when, when Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh in 1 Corinthians, and he says, um, was it 2 Corinthians? It's gone from me. Um, uh, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. And, and people are in debate as to whether or not that thorn in the flesh was, a, was an illness. Did, did Paul have eye trouble? What, what was, what was, what was his, did he have some physical disability that made him call out to God? Or, or actually, was it persecution? Was, was Paul being followed around by somebody who was kind of stirring up hostility, opposition, persecution? Or was it a bit of both? I don't know. But, but certainly, can, trouble can look like one or other of those things, actually, can't it? Trouble can look like the trials of life. In life, we are likely to face trials of different kinds. We're, we're going to be ill. I, I don't know anyone who's never been ill in their life. You know, we, we may face disappointment in, in marriage or, or family life or in our career. We, we, we may face economic downturns. We may face something more uh, um, extreme than that, a natural disaster or, or a conflict. And, and, and trouble is that kind of thing, for sure. But trouble is also um, has a spiritual dimension to it. The trouble that comes from persecution, the trouble that comes from the malice of the evil one, the trouble that comes from the opposition to the kingdom of God by the kingdom of this world or by the kingdom of darkness. And I wonder whether the global church prays more than we do because they're in trouble more than we are on both counts. For many people in the world, actually just survival is a source of prayer. When I was much younger, I had a, a, a guy came to live with me and my family called Rob Eshen, and he'd come from Ghana, and he, had a, he was a great prayer. He used to get up at five o'clock in the morning and pray, but the reason that he did that, one reason was he'd been praying for food every day for his family for some time, because Ghana had been gone through a famine, and he'd learned how to pray. And he, he, and, and he, um, he said when he came to Bristol, I feel chloroformed in my praying. I, I feel deadened because you've got so much. The experience of praying for need, give us today our daily bread, was a real, honest, <laughs> I need this prayer. In a way that it's not like that for me. I do pray, give us today our daily bread, most days actually, but I kind of, I'm not that worried about where it's coming from. I feel well stocked with daily bread, actually. And, um, and the other thing as well is about Rob is that he'd experienced persecution. In um, Ghana, the uh, the... The, the, the nation was, for a start, divided, as many African countries are, actually, between um, historic um, boundaries that are not the same as, as modern boundaries, and between Islamic and Christian factions, parties, tribes, and cultures. And also witchcraft, as a quite a live and alert thing. Rob became a, 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 a Christian, actually, because he felt he'd been cursed, and he was afraid he was going to die. And, and, and Rob prayed, too, because of opposition persecution. That, that they encountered the church of that nation. So, I, I'm just saying, really, trouble and prayer belong together. And for us, I want us to be in trouble for the right reasons. I think the church doesn't pray because it's not in trouble enough. And I'm not suggesting that we're looking for kind of um, natural disasters or economic downturns, though those things may help us to pray in a way, because when things are shaken and we receive a kingdom that can't be shaken, we, we, we go back to our kingdom roots and we pray about those things. But I wonder whether we should be more aggressively pushing against the powers of darkness, which will require more prayer. And that the lack of prayer may re reflect a lack of energy in our spiritual ambition. 
Well, again, anecdotally, then from my own life, when I was, again, a lot younger, and I, I was a lot younger once, <laughs> to look back on my, my, as I'm in my 64th year. Um, obviously, you know, I look very... And anyway, <laughs> stop there. Um, when, when I was uh, a, a mere stripling, um, I, I, I ran Bristol Methodist Centre, which was um, a shopfront project in Old Market, just on Midland Road. And um, when I started there, it was a bit of a funny little place, but we really developed a ministry to vulnerable people in the inner city. We, we, we're surrounded by um, flats and, and people where a lot of single parents and lots of people who were relatively impoverished. We, we, we were right down the road from the Cyrenians Day Centre and, and we were surrounded by, by drunks and addicts, actually, to be, to be fair. We're also surrounded by the, the, the sex industry and there were massage parlours and sex shops all around. And just working there and actually wanting to minister to the people in the city carried with it a kind of palpable sense of we're pushing against the darkness. And actually, Pam volunteered down there with me for a while. And we, had, we had a jolly time didn't we, visiting people in the flats and running little prayer meetings for people who are a little bit out of it and, <laughs> and trying to feed people. We'd open our doors as soon as the night shelter closed and people would come in for breakfast. And the main thing would take people back to our house and we'd set fire to bedding as they're smoking in bed and things like that. <laughs> And uh, you know, we're, we're threatened from time to time, you know, threatened for trying to take someone out of the sex industry, someone coming and smashing them into the shop with a crowbar because they didn't like what we stood for. And I suppose for me that the feeling about working in that place was, I feel the darkness. If I work here, I need to pray. And so I started a prayer meeting every, every week called Watch and Pray, Let's Pray in the City. And I used to go in early to pray because I felt I, I actually would push against the darkness. I need to pray. So for me, the experience of spiritual warfare, if you like, or pushing for the kingdom against those powers that are too strong for us, was that was I, you know, unless you're here, Lord God, we can't, we can't do this. And, and I, I think whenever I've been spiritually ambitious, I've been wanting to pray more. So are we spiritually ambitious for the things of the kingdom of God? that actually will be resisted and, and how we pray. I, I think that's a, a challenge for us, you know, as we look at our church going forward this year. Um, I'm just going to say a little note on fasting. Um, we're actually going to ask the church to fast on Tuesday of prayer week. And we, we've historically had a week of prayer and fasting, and some people do fast. Um, or we, one, one of my friends is begin, beginning, a, you know, just a water fast for the whole of January. So, you know, people do fast. And there's a bit of a narrative in our world that fasting is bad for you, but it isn't. I mean, it may be bad for a few people under special circumstances, but I think it's probably good for you, you know, rather than bad for you. But, um, and, and we, we can do it, actually. But why do we do it? Why would we fast? And in, in the Old Testament, fasting and mourning go together. There's a sense in which when we're in trouble, we don't just pray, we also fast. And, and it's an expression of our, of our mourning. And actually, in in, in nature, actually, in life, when we're anxious, when we're afraid, when we're mourning, we may well go off our food. It's kind of easier to fast when you're in trouble <laughs> in some ways. Um, and I, I think that um, fasting and mourning, to my mind, are signs of the not yet of the kingdom of God. You know, we talk about the now and not yet of the kingdom, don't we? And, uh, and that we're living in a tension between the kingdom is here, yet the kingdom is not yet here. God's work is, is happening in the world, the spirits are working, and yet we also see powers of darkness and evil at work in the world. We're, we're still longing and groaning, as Paul writes in Romans, for, for that, that uh, full adoption of our bodies, uh, of, of resurrection life, of the new heaven and the new earth. And um, 
John the Baptist, I always say, is the prophet of the not yet. In Matthew 11, verses 12 to 19, there's a little passage there. And in that passage, Jesus compares himself to John the Baptist. He says, you know, uh, the, the John the Baptist came neither eating or drinking. He said he has a demon. <laughs> the Son of Man comes <laughs> eating or drinking. He says he's a glutton and a friend of sinners. You know? But Jesus is the prophet of feasting because where Jesus is, the kingdom is here. You know, where, where Jesus is, you know, the kingdom of God is near you because I'm here. How can the friends of the bridegroom fast when the bridegroom is here? You know, that's Jesus. When, when Jesus is around healing people, turning water into wine, you know, it's the kingdom, it's fullness of life. And so it's not appropriate to fast when Jesus is at work doing his thing. But when we're longing for Jesus to be at work, when we say he's not yet here, when we're, when we're like John the Baptist, preparing the way of the Lord, then we're, we're fasting. We're, we're, we're hungry and thirsty for what we don't yet have. And so, so John is a sign of the, the kingdom is coming, but it's not yet here as he fasts and, and inaugurates it. Actually, of course, Jesus himself fasts. And there's a little phrase that Jesus says uh, after the Lord's Supper, which we're going to be remembering today. He said, I'll not drink of the fruit of the vine until I drink it new with you in the kingdom of God. Is Jesus fasting until what comes in fullness really comes, until that great wedding feast of the Lamb, too, because the not yet and the now are realities. And so for me, as we go through a week of prayer and fasting, why would we fast? Well, we're fasting for breakthrough. We're fasting for what we don't yet have. We're fasting because we want to see more of God's power and goodness. We want to see our city transformed. We want to see peace on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see the spirit of Jesus powerful at work among us. We want to, to find that we have victory over the sins and limitations of our own lives. So that's where we go into a week of prayer and fasting. We're going to go into a time where we want to be called by Jesus into his ministry. And if it is leading us into trouble, then we want to pray. And where people are in trouble in our midst because they're sick, because they are heartbroken, then we want to ask God for more power to see healing come to them on earth as it is in heaven. Father God, as we present ourselves to you again, help us to learn how to pray and to partner with the Spirit. Break our hearts of the things that break yours. Jesus' name. Amen.